Okay, so we're live, is what you're saying. Okay, this is amazing, right? Okay, I'm Are you getting teary-eyed? No, I have something in my eye, but I could cry if you insult me. I'm not kidding. I didn't cry. I was just mad. Um, Okay, so this is my first podcast back. So welcome to the Interesting People I Know podcast. It's been a long time since I said that, since like just, I guess, during the early days of COVID. And I'm so excited to be back in the studio with Murphy Producing, Murphy Cargus, Cargus Media, um, and many other things. You got to find him on YouTube with his his new basic docu- basically documentaries and cool things. But we're here to talk about other topics today on the Interesting People I Know podcast with me, Carrie Freitas. And I'm just so excited to be in the studio, and I, the energy is really great, um, a lot of it because of my guests. So my guest today is my good friend and personal life coach, um, Bridget Belden. She is the founder of Magenta Consulting, and her specialty at Magenta is to help moms figure out who they are and what they want to do beyond being a mom. Um, and she can probably phrase that more eloquently, but... Um, You're you know, doing great. That's okay, perfect. really? Okay, yes. good. So yeah, I got approval from my, my coach. I'll try not to make this into a coaching session. Part of me wanted to do a coaching session live, but um, maybe we'll do that someday. That would be extremely vulnerable. Um, but Bridget's been a friend of mine for a long time. Um, I met her when she started a nonprofit called Ripple Kids after her corporate career. And, um, and now she's really... I mean, she's got a number of callings that she could pursue because she's that kind of person. But I really feel that Magenta Consulting and her work as a coach for moms, um, finding out what life, not just beyond mom, but in addition to mom, can mean and look like. Um, And that's how I came to her. And I just think um, I've done so much transformative work in our almost two years together, Yeah, I think. more of it happening uh, more recently when I was actually ready to dig in and do the work versus when we started and I wasn't, I was just messing around. Um, (laughs) So I am just so excited to be in conversation with her on the podcast today. And we're going to talk about um, a few topics that are really close to my heart and have been coming up a lot for me lately, personally, and then with friends not in the community because of, um, you know, myself being a 52 year old mom. Um, I've had a lot of questioning and um, curiosity, as Bridget would say, in, in, on a good day, around you know my empty nest and um, what does parenting and life look like after the kids leave the nest or as they're preparing to leave the nest, um, and also just you know for moms that have kids that are going to be in the house for whoever knows how many years. If you've got young kids, I still think it's worth taking a look at who you are outside of motherhood. Um, at any age, if you're ready to explore that, um, because I think it's it's really great to have some of that work under your belt by the time your kids leave. Um, yes, for so sure. it's not so startling. So, <laughs> welcome, Bridget. With that long introduction, thank you. I'm. Um, I wanted to talk about. I I started my empty nest moment. Luckily, I was working with you um, during that time, but. It happened for me last June, so a year, um, just a little over a year ago, um, when my youngest, Jeannie, graduated from high school, and um, it was during COVID, and she's, you know, a 19-year-old or 18-year-old kid at the time, super social, wanted to live her life, and so, and wanted to feel like she launched, even though she was going to online college to start, um, so she moved out into her own apartment, and Liam had already moved out, because he, you know, was a couple of years ahead of her, and so all of a sudden... 
the house um, was really quiet, felt really empty. Mm-hmm. And um, even though, you know, I've always worked with as a, like a working mom, so I had work as another dimension of my life. <clears throat> and I, you know, um, was still basically a newlywed with Alan at that time. So there was, a, you know, I have friends, so I have a rich life outside of motherhood. But it still hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Did you go through the same thing when your kids well, left? I actually went through from my last podcast with you, which was three years ago. Oh my gosh! Oh, we are. Yeah, I was dating just, us now. That's yeah. not great. Thanks. <laughs> I was <laughs> when I was still in my forties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was just getting started with this, and this was kind of you know a, a star in the sky for me, something that I was interested in pursuing, and. My story is that when I was a younger mom, so I was in my early to mid 30s, and really it's kind of blurry to me. It's all kind of a blur. Yeah. But that's when I really lost my sense of self. And I actually had a complete existential crisis. So for me, it happened earlier. And so I had done a lot of this work leading up to this point. And that's what led me to launch Ripple Kids, is because I realized that I wanted to do something meaningful you know, in addition to my kids, that there was something that I wanted for me that was missing, even though I had this amazing, beautiful family that I loved and this life that I created, there was still something missing, that part of me and and that sense of purpose. And that's why I researched and then launched Ripple Kids, which is what I did for 10 years when the kids were little and was able to participate with them. So it was a great way to be a mom and, yes, yeah. and have that as well. So for me, it happened earlier. Wow. Okay. So was, well, that goes to show that, you know, certainly it's not limited to then to like a midlife quote unquote crisis or transition or moment, which we'll talk about in a bit because I think no one talks about that stuff in a way beyond sports cars and hot women or guys or whatever that, you know, the tropes are. Um, But I think it's, it's important then for moms at any stage Dads too. I'm not saying, but we're talking about moms today, right? Um, to really look at, are they fulfilled? And I, you know, I mean, some days are situational stuff where you're just like, this. It's hard work. It is. I hard mean, work, I see yeah. um, younger friends of mine who have young kids. I just remember how, like, wonderful it was, but excruciatingly exhausting, difficult, stressful. You just needed a break. So. Um, there may not be time for a bunch of navel gazing at those. Right. But stuff can bubble up. I mean, right. it bubbled up for you. So I think that this is an important topic, not just for people in midlife, I guess is what I'm Absolutely. trying to say. And in fact, I had was having a conversation with an old family friend who she's 36, 37 now. And we are having this very conversation about when it happens. And I said, you know, I welcome moms at any age or any stage. It doesn't matter. It's just moms with the younger and I have a sweet spot for them because that's where I was. And I feel, I can feel, you know, I had so much isolation and shame and guilt around that feeling at that stage in my life. And for those moms that might be identifying with that and feeling like, oh my God, there's something wrong with me because this isn't doing it for me as much as I love my family. And, and the, the ability for moms at that stage and age to have the bandwidth um, not only in their day, hours in the day, I mean, but just mentally to be able to think about, you know, I really need to pour some time into and resources me. into me and really carve that out. It's kind of a luxury. It feels almost impossible. And certainly it's a first world privilege or problem, I yes, guess. Yeah. Um, 
But I do think, you know, I was talking to a friend with younger kids the other day, and it's like, I think definitely so many moms are fulfilled, you know, with the busy for certain, no matter what, Mm -hmm. but also fulfilled. But there's always room, I think, for more fulfillment, right? And like you said, maybe there's not time to pursue it. But I think just to know that, that someone like you is out there to support them during that time, even if they're just questioning and don't have time, but just to get a gut check, like that they're feeling normal things and maybe they could have a consult, you know, where they talk about like books they could read or something. Um, right. If they don't want to dig super hard into the work, right? Well, and even just carving out that time for themselves so they can refuel yes. and replenish. And, you know, society tells us that we are, you know, selfish if we do that. And as a mom, you're supposed to be pouring yourselves into your family. And the problem is, is you pour so much that there's nothing left. Yeah. And it's it gets where I was, was that it became this point where I didn't have anything left. And I was not a good mom and I was not a good wife and I wasn't a good friend because I was constantly in my head questioning what's wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. Why am I not happy? I've got all the things. I've got the two kids, the dog and the husband and the job and the... All of whom I loved. Of course. Right. Which then created that much more dissonance and the guilt and shame. Yeah. So um, absolutely. I mean, did you have then, because I felt, you know, because I didn't, I mean, I think if I'd been more awake... um, or if something had shaken me awake, or if I did a little more questioning, um, I probably would have felt the same way you did at the same time you did. But I just was um, so knee deep in life and like codependency and other stuff that I think I just wasn't able to see the forest for the trees. But I think I felt that way too at that age. At some point, yes. yeah. And I think for me, it became untenable. Yeah. And it truly was a crisis. Yes. I got to the point where I had to leave my family, which breaks my heart to this day. But I was so committed to living a life of purpose and understanding why I was here. I didn't want to wake up one day, look at my husband and say, who are you and where have I been for the last 20 years? And that's what motivated me. I'm getting emotional talking about it because it's still really painful to talk about. But it took that for me to wake up and just say, this, this, I can't do this. No, I think a lot of women and thanks for sharing that. Yeah, by the way, I think a lot of women, um, get there when the kids leave the house. Mm -hmm. Um, you hear a lot of stories about like, you know, marriages falling apart. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's when, because it's like, it's almost this like sigh of relief in a way you're sad, but you know, the kids are, you know, you're used to seeing the kids every day. They've given you purpose. You love them. You miss them, but you're happy for them. But then I think a lot of women probably find themselves, especially if they haven't worked or even if they have, you know, kind of going, well, now what? And staring at your husband of X number of years, if you've been able to keep your marriage alive and together long term, you know, knock on wood. It's terrifying. Yeah. So for me, I just sensed that, like, even though I had these other great things going on, I felt that there was a shift happening Mm -hmm. and that it did open up more time for me to work on me. And mm-hmm. to work around me and kind of explore, like you said, like, what is my purpose? What mm-hmm. does fulfill me? What lights me up? Because I had lost touch with that. I in, in, During our work, you know, it's kind of like, well, what's, you know, what what's fun for you? Or like hobbies or different things. And I'm like... <laughs> you use the word. <laughs> I know, I know. Sorry. That's like, it's the H word for me. I always feel guilty. Like my hot... This is a whole a different podcast where I talk about like 
questioning if, you know, everything I do is normal or holding it up against some weird yardstick about like normal hobbies, interesting <laughs> hobbies, like hobbies that are worth it. But if you I know? don't have any hobbies. Yeah, is reading a hobby, does it really count? You know, <laughs> I could go down a rabbit hole with that one. But I think, you know, I did kind of find some space and a, a, a wanting to explore myself a little more at the same time that I was crying a lot because I just really missed the kids, Mm -hmm. even though they're local, but just at apartments. Like it just, I missed the action. I missed the purpose of, Mm -hmm. you know, like feeding them, even though like it was, you know, it's exhausting. And I'm like, in some ways now I just order DoorDash every night and call it a day, you know, but I just, I missed like the purpose and the structure of it, even though I railed against it at the time and it was so burnt out. right? Right. So well, there's, there can be a mourning process that happens yes. too. There's a couple things I think that happen. And with the clients I work with, there's so many different responses to this transition, right? Some moms are just like, yes, let me add it. I'm ready to go. I know what I want to do. I can't wait. I love my kids, but now it's time for them to fly. And yes, I'll miss them, but I am, you know, I, I have stuff I want to do. Then there's moms that miss their kids terribly, right? And they are the ones that are just loved and were so immersed in being in their lives. Yeah. In their and being their mom and being domestic and having that. And I think also what happens is when you're raising kids, you have the it's almost like the benefit of distraction where totally. you don't have to think about yourself. I mean it healed me from a lot of I mean in addition to therapy and meds, it really healed me from like my devastatingly gnarly like um hypochondriasis and OCD because there was no time to worry about like my health with some stupid ailments I was making up. Right. Like I had to take care of the kids. Right. So it was like, it was amazingly healing. But it can also be a distraction from really hearing and feeling what it yes. is. That can almost be a numbing thing, right? Yeah. Where you can create these distractions. I'm good at numbing. Yeah. Because of not having to look and see, wow, and question, am I really happy? Am I fulfilled? Yeah. Am I doing what I want to do? What do I want to do? And a lot of moms have a really hard time answering any questions that have anything to do with themselves because we're not used to thinking that way. It's like, what? Like, what do you like? I mean, I remember doing before Jeannie, before Liam or Jeannie had moved out, I remember doing a vision board Mm -hmm. um, and being like, so stumped, Bridget. Like, (laughs) it was like, I don't even know what to put on this. Like, what words? And then the woman that was like doing this exercise with me and Jeannie was like, well, just, it's, you know, it's easy, quote unquote, like what colors, what, you know, what, you know, what's fun, what words. I'm like, um, I don't know. Like I never did the vision board. I cut out a bunch of stuff half-heartedly and called it a day. Right. Um, and I just did a vision board with Jeannie for fun last week and it was easy. Right. Because I think I've done the work, but even a vision board was hard because I'm like, I don't even know what I envisioned for myself. Yeah. And it's, it's that, yes. And so it's that to the nth degree because now suddenly that's you're either faced with doing other things or with figuring out what you want to do. Yeah. And um, so much of that comes from being a mom and having these roles of, you know, wife, mom, not necessarily in that order, um, taking care of doing for and doing all these things where you don't have to think about it. You don't have time to think about it and we'll just get to it someday. And I think one of the hardest things, one of the things that we do in the program, in my yes. coaching program is really spending that time and talking about inquiry and spending time in it just being still, which so is hard. That's really excruciatingly hard, hard for a lot of people, particularly moms who are busy, you oh know, gosh. taking care of all of that. Because like, what's going to bubble up in the stillness? We yeah. just talked about this in my session yesterday. It's yeah. like, if I stay still around an issue I'm working on, for me, it's emotional eating, right? And if I stay still in that place, it's like, 
are scary monsters going to come out of the closet? Or yeah. like, am I going to find out I'm like really a freak? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. So yeah. how do you get women, when women come to Magenta Consulting and say, hey, you know, like I'm struggling. Well, they can come struggling or they can come happy and excited to do work that, you know, they're ready to launch into, right? So they come to you either way. Right. Um, what are the, I mean, what are like the, when you say inquiry, like what are the questions that you would even start asking? What do I like to do? What lights me up? What lights me up? One of the things that I recommend to people who are starting with this process, like the first question, is think about those causes. Or you know, everybody I think thinks has these causes that that hit a note for them. Whether it's a a nonprofit, yeah, um, animals, you know, maybe. And this is bringing back my rebel kids. kids Yeah, remember this exercise. Yeah, but it's it's basically if you start with okay, if you see a commercial for something or you know a friend is involved in some kind of an activity and you, or who do you donate to what is it that strikes a chord with you and okay. start there and just get curious about that why is that what is that and write it down and i think it's um in the it it's especially if this is really uncomfortable for you, start with five to 10 minutes a day, even if yeah. you're in complete silence. Okay. Write down whatever comes up for you. And I actually like have- in your head? Yeah. I actually have a list of questions that I can provide your listeners okay. um, if they email me and we can get okay. that in the notes. Perfect. But they're very open-ended uh, questions. And the important thing is not to screen or filter any of them. It's just okay. a brain dump. So what we'll tend to do is go- wow, you know, I really love to take pictures. I love photography. I have that eye. Well, you can't do that. That's dumb. So you don't put it down, right? It's that filtering. Okay, so you're judging. negative belief, that limiting belief of whatever we have in our head that tells right. us we can't do something. That's one of the biggest gremlins that stops <laughs> us from thinking about what's next what for could us. Be. What could be. You're out of possibility because you've already, oh, forget it. That's not going to happen. So rather than doing that, it's just opening up and just writing down whatever pops into your head. Be in that place of possibility. Do, do you have women? Because I think, you know, when, like when I'm even, I think there's, I had a journal that had prompts, like what, similar prompts, like what's fun or what, you know, I'm like, fun? Yeah. Like yeah. when did I have fun? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So that, and that was kind of a sad thought. And I think I was probably overthinking it. Yes. Um, yeah. But it was, seemed like, oh my gosh, you know, what are my interests or like what does light me up? And I, it, and I think I do a lot of self judging too. And like you said, I'm sure it's, it's, it seems like it's common. Yes. So common. I could be like, well, I love, you know, um, maybe I love singing or something, but I'm never gonna. What am I gonna do with that? Why would I even write that down? Right. You know. Exactly. I'm too old. I can't sing. Right. You know. So, but write it down. Yeah. Write it down. So once these things, these musings and ideas um, are written down somewhere, then where does the work start with you? So then you you start to notice threads that pop up, right? And once you kind of get in the habit of this, my favorite time to do this, and I still do it to this day, is when I walk my dog in the morning. I don't listen to any music. I don't walk with a friend. I don't listen to a podcast. Sorry. Sorry, it's okay. (laughs) You can listen to it at a different time. (laughs) I just think, and I I have these questions in my head, and it could be, what is my next workshop going to be? It could be... You know, what is something that I know moms are struggling with that I really need to hone in on on my in in my in my workshops or materials that I'm working on, and just let that process unwind in my head. I have my phone with me, and I just record voice memos of whatever pops up. And when you're first starting this, you know, schedule that time ten minutes a day in the morning, whatever time for you is productive when you are just you know, 
you're open-minded, you're not okay. exhausted. You can, and, and just do that for two to three weeks regularly and start to see what the common threads are. You might notice that something keeps bubbling up. You know, maybe it's a photography thing. Maybe right. it's, you know, maybe it's, so, so from there you could say, you know what, I'd really like to take a photography class. So you look online, you do the research, you find a photography class and you start taking that. It doesn't have to be, I'm going to go from zero to a hundred, right. you know, I'm going to become a world Now famous. I'm Mario Testino and yeah. I'm like a professional photographer. Exactly. It's just pursuing that. Right. <laughs> Murphy laughed. I'm like, I have to name drop. I'm, gonna say, I'm not going to say Arthur Elgert or, you know, I'm like deciding who I'm going to say to sound really smart, you know. Well, the fact that you have those stored in just your mind. Just ready to go. Ready to go. impressive enough. Impressive. Thank you. Thank you. Well, so Bridget, you know, to me, I was thinking like, that's probably the place where women get stuck mm -hmm. in this process is because I'm thinking like, I'm thinking big. So I'm thinking like career or something or how my, my dad always used to do, like he was like, he loved to watercolor paint like after he was retired, but he wanted to monetize it. Yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah. I think that's the leap we make too quick. So right. I think it's like, no, it's just baby steps. So it's like inquiry. So you're kind of like questioning and looking and curious about what makes you tick. Yes. And then it's exploration, really, right? Mm -hmm. To just say, like, well, dip a toe in. And you're just looking for that one degree shift. You're looking for that one step, like you said, baby steps, that you can take. That will. So, for example, when I was in this exploration phase way back when, and I knew I wanted to explore my creative side. My dad was a painter, um, and, and I loved taking painting in, in college, but hadn't done anything with it since. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to take a drawing class. And so I signed up for a drawing class at the Orange County Museum and went there every week. And I hated it. Oh my, I thought you were going to say loved. I was waiting no, for that. No, I, I hated it because it was so precise. You know, it was the, for like perspective. Like figural, like figurative drawing? Perspective or, oh for Lord, me yeah. was like, ugh. Hard. But I stuck with it. And instead of saying, oh, my God, see, I can't be an artist, I was like, you know, I'm going to try a different medium. And I then I signed up for an oil painting class because that I could feel kind of, okay, that I can be loose. I can do something more abstract. Yes. People don't have to tell me. It doesn't, you know, look doesn't like that. doesn't look like that. a peach or doesn't look like, yeah, you're like. <laughs> because it's from inside my head. How do yes. you know? And I signed up for a class with my girlfriend, and we did that once a week for, I want to say, three to four years. And now my walls are covered with my art. And it's something, actually, that I'm looking at. I, I set up, I redid my office and set up a studio there so that I can leave it oh, up so that I can start painting again. So my point is, is this is not a one and done. This is not, I know what I want to do. I'm going to do it. Boom, I'm happy. As you know, as <laughs> yes. we've been working together, yes. it is a process. And it's an unfolding. And we have been doing the same thing and being the same person for so long, most of us 40 to 50 I mean, years, yeah. right? If we're at this point, that it takes a while to unlearn that. It takes a while to overcome those limiting beliefs that pop up in your head and tell you you can't do it. It takes a while for you to overcome those things that, you know, the, oh, you should have done this or you could have done that, those regrets that we've had. Whatever the case may be, it's a process and it's a it's an unfolding of who we are and and and, and as Brene Brown I know you and I are both kind yes, of yes huge fans huge fans and she talks about this unraveling and I know we are going to talk about kind of the midlife crisis yes. and her whole point in her book The Gifts of Imperfection which she just released uh, for the 10 year anniversary she talks about that this point in our lives is you know quote unquote midlife it's not a crisis because a crisis is something that is urgent and it's an event that you know takes place. This is an unraveling of who we've been and it's kind of a rebuilding of who we want to be going forward. And I thought that was such a beautiful way of putting it. 
I love that. And it's like, you know, a lot of times when, when you first start unraveling, it's almost like, you know, like untethered, but not the untethered soul untethered, right. but more like, um, like you're losing falling it, apart. falling apart, unraveling. Yeah. But this is actually kind of like unstitching some things that just aren't working anymore mm-hmm. or just really, you know, maybe we're functional. Peeling back the layers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now Unfolding. you're rebuilding yourself yeah. for this next stage. Right. And so let's talk a little bit about, about that because I think um, there's this, I definitely have all or nothing thinking a lot and I don't know whether your clients that you're working with have a little bit of it too, but it's like, I feel like there's, I think there's a lot of self-criticism that comes up in midlife, mm-hmm. um, you know, and guilt and shame, like you talked about in your experience, even though it wasn't at midlife. Well, I mean, depending on how you define midlife. Um, but it's like, you know, like, oh, I just suck, you know, like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my, you know, and I'm just, it's very, um, you could be very negative and like self-flagellating. And um, I like the unraveling idea in the positive sense, because it's like, there are still like really great threads and there's beautiful fabric to work with and weave mm-hmm. into a new chapter or phase or whatever. And it's not that it's like all bad. You're just no. weaving some, a new story. Right. Right. And it's, the beautiful thing is that when you recognize that you have agency and how you want to live your life, and you treat yourself with self-compassion around not doing it perfectly, um, and you let go of some of that shame, and you start to embrace who you are authentically, it's, it's a completely different feeling. And I think that, that as moms and women in general, we carry, and again, not taking anything away from men or dads, but there, there's, it's a different set, of, different set of issues. But we have, you know, this this sense of who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to act, and and the shoulds, the shoulda, coulda, woulda. And I think why this transition transition is so huge is because all of a sudden, the whole reason for you know having a family is to raise your kids, and that part's over. So yes. now, what do you do, and who are you beyond that? Like, are you useful? Even I, I was yeah. thinking like what's my use? Like the utility, like I felt like I'm, I thought I was a utility player and now like, what's my utility? I mean, I'm feeling like, um, you know, what does it mean to be a parent when your kid's not around? And I almost felt like, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm turning into that sad old couple that, you know, that everyone's had one on their street, right? You think it's sad and old and they're probably having an amazing life behind closed doors, you know? Yeah. Um, Where you're like, there's no kids in the house. I must be so lonely. And I'm like, am I turning into them? And like, I'm running around smelling my house to make sure it doesn't have like old people smells (laughs) or like undetected. How would you know? (laughs) Well, that's a thing. But I thought... I think I'm young enough to still know if there's an old people smell. Like yeah. I want to stay vigilant yeah. to make sure that it doesn't smell like cat pee. Right. Or like it's not there's not dust on the spot where you're like, oh, she's lost it. She has no kids at home. Look at her now. You know, she's useless. And so I feel like finding this purpose is super important. But I also think um, that the thing that the thing about agency, having agency over this change and working with someone like you or another coach is that like, it's hard to grant yourself that. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like I even own and run a business and to grant myself agency over, and we just talked about this in my session yesterday, over who I want to be and how I want to show up feels like a very bold, um, almost like 
who are you to say that you could just be whoever you want, Carrie? There are rules around here. Right. So how do you get women into the heart and and headspace? Says who and who wrote the rules, right? (laughs) Well, then you're like, there's an imaginary yardstick, right? Yeah. And I think it's this sense. So if you are as so as I came into this, right, and I think we're constantly, this is an evolution. There are still times I have not, you know, you know, I founded Ripple Kids and that was great for about 10 years, 10 to 15 years. And I went, okay, what's next? And I went through the whole process all over again. It was easier because I had already been through it, but it still took me, you know, two to three years to figure out what is the next iteration of me. And I think once you recognize that when you are wholehearted and living a wholehearted life, you are fulfilled you have a sense of authenticity about who you are and a sense of confidence. And I'm not saying that's easy by no. any means. And it's kind of a constant battle, right? Because you not have I want to talk more about that because how to overcome that. Yes. And 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 when you when you have when you are incomplete, you are looking to other people outside yourself or other things to validate you, to validate your choices. And from that place, you are giving up your power to all these things that you can't control, right? So it's what other people think. It's what other people think you should or shouldn't do. When you can take that back and it completely changes everything about your life. And it starts with, and I know I'm simplifying this. I'm not saying this is an easy process, but that's the ultimate goal is to be in that place where you're whole, you're wholehearted, you are okay with who you are. You're not measuring yourself against everybody else and these standards and the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Then you recognize that this is my life. And I can live my life the way I want to live it. Okay. It sounds amazing. I know. Okay. Okay. Throw it at me. Yeah. No, it does sound amazing. And it's right. Like, obviously, when you ask me who wrote the rules, I can't go, well, so-and-so published it. And there have been three editions. And, you know, like, I know that that's not the case. Right. But it just still seems so... um, assumptive or like presumptive to be like, well, I'm just going to go be Carrie, 100% Carrie. And I'm not saying you make that jump. That's part of that (laughs) process, right? Yeah. And there are days with all the work, I've been doing this work on myself for the past 20 plus years and more recently with clients. And I still struggle with that. So I'm not saying it ever goes away. There's always that sense of, okay, do I look dumb in these pants? Right. Like, do I look like I'm an old person? Right. You know, no, I bought I, one of totally. those jumpsuits, you know, those really cute jumpsuits and <laughs> I put it make, on. Oh yeah. You're yeah. like, is this working? Do I look like I am a gas station attendant? Yeah. Am I too old to wear this? Like I have to ask my daughter, thank God she's in the house now. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I, it, it is a constant battle, but it's at the heart and soul of it when you get to that place where you're okay with who you are and that self-acceptance, then it changes your What dynamic. are some tools or practices? So, you know, um, when I think about like the journey, cause I've never understood what Brene Brown was talking about with wholehearted living, like being, mm-hmm. and it's what you said. It's like you showing up as you feeling good about the quirks and the other things that make you, you with no shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of being bravely you, right. And I never really understood that because wholehearted always to me meant like giving love to someone else outside me. Mm-mm. Like, and I never understood that it was who I am at my core and how I show up. Whole and complete. Yeah. yeah. I always yourself. thought it was like giving a ton of love out. Yeah. I never focused it inward. Right. And therein lies the problem. 
Yeah. Well, like, moms, as like you said, were conditioned and expected to just give it all out. Like, yep. you got any fuel in the tank? It's Why mine. We, yeah, <laughs> give it to someone else. Yeah. The dog needs it. The kids need it. Hub, right. Hubby needs it. The school foundation needs it. You know, work needs it. So how do you counsel women to, we talked about at the beginning, getting quiet, being curious about what makes you tick and what you love, exploring some of those things, not and giving yourself grace for, you know, taking the photography class, deciding you don't like it, but then suddenly you decide you want to do music. That's okay. It doesn't mean you failed at photography. It right. doesn't mean like, well, there we, there's, you know, plan A is dead. So, yeah. you know, yeah. so there's, there's that process. But then like, what do you tell yourself day to day to keep yourself buoyed and going when you're questioning, you know, kind of like, why am I even looking into other things? Why don't I just kind of do what everyone else is doing or, why am I spending all this time on me? Like maybe I should, instead of exploring me, maybe I should just go volunteer, even though that doesn't make me happy, but I feel like it's what I'm supposed to do. Like how do you keep people on track, your clients with like the inward focus and coaching themselves to be brave enough to kind of follow those like paths of exploration? It is different for everybody. So people show up to do this work in a completely different place. Some women are ready. They've had maybe had some experience with this kind of work. Other women have no idea. Some women are like in a state of chaos, like I don't know which end is up. I don't know where to start. And so I meet them where they are. Um, and I, I think it's I think it, it it's hard to give kind of an overriding this is what you do, right? Because it really just depends. But I think it is that tuning into yourself. I think it is that inquiry and really getting clear and, and taking that time. You know, that's the fundamental piece of this. And I know you know well from our early days is, is the whole idea of routine um, and living intentionally and identifying those things, first of all, that you want more of. And it could be as simple as, I want to laugh more. So how am I going to get more of that into my life? I'm going to, you know, I haven't seen my friends in a while, so I'm going to connect with them at once a once a week or, you know, twice a month or whatever. Or I want to spend more time in nature, so I'm going to go on a on a hike every weekend. Um, whatever it is, and it can be as simple as that. As you start to feed that part of you and nourish that part of you, then that starts to grow. And then you get this, it, it, it really starts at a very, very small level. And so I really focus on the routine part of it. As okay. you know, I'm a huge fan of routine. I know, and I battled you on that for <laughs> probably did. six months. You did, and everybody nine. looks at it differently, maybe right? 12, yeah. Some, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe still even. Maybe even still, still am. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> did I do my homework? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, 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 you know, routine for me is a way to build the foundation so that you can bring those things into your life. So for me, for example, my routine in the morning is I get up at six o'clock in the morning. Let me back up and start by saying, there was a period of time in my life th about three years ago. So I had been doing this work. I wasn't coaching yet, but I'd been doing this work. And I would wake up in the morning whenever, and I'd get out of right. bed, and I'd go down in my pajamas. There's no I'd, schedule, right? No schedule, get my cup of coffee. I'm sitting at the table with my phone scrolling through, and then I'm like, oh shit, it's time for me to go to the gym because that was something that I would do. So the dog's looking at me going, but where's my walk? I still have to change. I have to brush my teeth, wash my face. I've, I've gotten lost in Facebook land, you know, down that <laughs> totally. rabbit hole. Yeah. So I, I made a choice to change and do something because I'm like, these are the things I want. I want to be able to walk my dog in the morning before it gets hot. I want to work out. I want to meditate. Like these are the things I want. So I started getting up at six o'clock in the morning and I know not everybody 
Some people don't like. To I get have up converted that early. to the seven a.m. wake up, as you know, which is a big deal for me. Yes, that is a big deal. So whatever. I mean, bottom line is it's whatever works. Right. But you'd made a list of things you want more of in your yes. life and that you want to do. So that's where this started. Yes. And so then you scheduled. Then I scheduled right, and every day that is my routine, Monday through Friday. On the weekends, I give myself grace. I sleep until seven fifteen. Mm. <laughs> Decadent. <laughs> I, I walk. I still walk the dog, but I don't work out. You know, sometimes oh, I meditate. Sometimes I don't. So I just kind of. You know that that's my that's my routine, and okay. and so what that gives me is that foundation, so that I can from that point, you know, whatever time I sit down at my desk at nine thirty or ten o'clock, right. I know that I've hit all those things. So I'm not thinking, oh my god, I still need to go work out. Now I've got to walk the dog. Now it's too hot. Whatever. I'm not in that kind of state of chaos. It gives me that sense of order, and it also gives me those things in my life that ground me so that right. I can start from that place. Okay. Because once you're grounded and you can start from that place, your perspective shifts so that you're not, I just keep thinking of chaos. You're not in this, you know, where do I start? Overwhelming. Right, which breeds anxiety yes. and, and self-doubt. And complete and, paralysis. Yes. So that's that for me and it can be it doesn't have to be you know I I am a rule follower I do it every day it doesn't have to be that rigid it can be like for you you know getting up at seven was right was, was a, a big, big deal win. a big adjustment but Dude. how did you feel once amazing you and now it's a habit so yeah. like I started with um you know I had read you had told me and then of course like it's like a parent telling you something and I'm like mm-hmm <laughs> and then I read it somewhere else too and it's like I'm gonna do the morning pages right even though um, I'm not doing them like, um, is it Campbell? I forget who yes. dictated the morning pages. No, it was, um, I'll think of it. Go ahead. It's a woman, yes. right? Yeah. So, um, and so, you know, I started by just like, you know, writing whatever was in my head in the morning, like three pages, just to see what would happen. And there was like no judgment and just what came out. It was like so enlightening. And it took me like 20 minutes and I just had a cup of coffee. It was quiet, you know. Everything kind of just felt like it was my time. And so that felt really good. And it did ground me for the day, um, which felt amazing. You know, I felt like I'd given myself some time before work mm -hmm. um, and before the day started. So that was kind of what I needed to do. And now, you know, I know that I need to schedule in like my workout and seeing people. And like you said, I went through the inquiry of what makes me tick. And mm -hmm. I know that being connected to friends, but I'm not hypersocial. It's just like a small group of people that I want in my life that Especially I want to Especially during COVID. I know yeah, that that's was really hard. challenging. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was just about connecting with my husband and make sure I see the kids. So it's, it was a lot of what I hadn't done before is scheduling. You know, so there's a lot of scheduling that I that ended up feeling good because I was sure that what I wanted to feed me was on the calendar and planned. Yes. So that felt really, really good. Because what happens when you don't do that is that you're always last. Yeah. You'll find a million other people that need you more than you do. Right. And so you're always the one that's picking up scraps at the end of the day yeah. going, oh, here I have five minutes to I just do what? It's a bummer. It is a bummer. You know? Yeah. And so um, I think that, you know, for women then, like you said, to kind of take this time and you're giving, you know, you've done a routine for yourself. It sounds like you recommend your clients mm -hmm. find a routine that works for them. Mm -hmm. um, how do you get people to kind of stand... And I know they're coming at, to you at all different stages of this process of like, who am I beyond mom? Mm -hmm. How do you get people to kind of stand for themselves and like in themselves and their true authenticity? Like, do people come to you like I did yesterday and like fact check with you to see if, is this normal? Is this weird? In some cases, in some cases, it's different um, circumstances that come up. You know, I've had uh, clients who have had family circumstances come up while we are in coaching 
practice, you know, during the, the course of our program. And, you know, we talk it through, you know, real time. So it's like, you know, sometimes it's learning how to set boundaries because that's basically saying what's okay and what's not yeah. okay for me. That's putting a stake in the ground for yourself. And that boundary could be set with kids, husband, friends, job, work, yeah, yeah. whatever okay. it is. Because if you're not going to advocate for yourself, nobody else is going to do it for you. And if you're not going to show yourself respect, nobody else is going to show it. Would you say that you. a large percentage of women struggle with boundary setting? Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I think because there's so many pulls on our life. And I think, again, because we've been groomed to be everything and do for and take care of everybody. And I we do it willingly. But at the same time, it's like you, you, it's, it's, hard to say, you know what? I can't do that. It feels bad. It's hard to say no. Yeah. It is hard to say no. And some of it's that people pleasing. Some Mm -hmm. of it's just, you know, who are you to think that you can do something else, you know, do something different or take care of yourself or it's selfish to take care of you when in actuality, it's completely the opposite. You, you can't be there for everybody without first being there for yourself. It's that you, oxygen mask. Yeah. How do you, which is always a struggle for me on the plane. I'm like, fuck you. I'm putting my kids' mask on first. <laughs> um, how do your clients feel when they learn how to set boundaries and they set them? Are they, are they surprised by? Empowered. Uh-huh. Yeah. Completely empowered. And it can be something little, you know, and sometimes it's a What's couple. What's a small a boundary? One. Just like um, it might be. With your kids, you know, for example, with COVID, a lot of kids that were supposed to be gone weren't. They were home. Right. Um, So, you know, they're coming at it from, look, I'm supposed to be away. I'm an adult. I'm used to doing things I will do what I want in this house, like it's a frat house or whatever else. And, and, And a lot of moms instantly fall into that doing for and taking care of because that's the role and the dynamic we're used to. And so it could be something as simple as, you know, setting the boundaries with your kids and saying, look, you know, while you're in this house, this is what's going to happen. You're like a happen. roommate. You yeah, you're a roommate. You're going to put your dishes away. You're not going to leave. I'm just saying this. Like, I never did this yeah. because I have boundary issues, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Right. Well, and this is like when my son comes home, it's classic. Or I took a picture and sent it to my friends. I'm like, CJ's home. All, every drawer in the kitchen, there's cheese open. all over the back counter, you know, an open thing of tortillas, the pan from his quesadilla, yes. like everything. It's just the entire place, yes. right? Yeah. He was just there to visit. But if he was there to live, it would be like, and and my daughter just came back home to live right. for a while. And we had to have that conversation yeah. of like, treat us like your roommates. You yeah. Know? And I'm going to tell you, hey, can you wash your dishes? I'm not going to wash your dishes no. for you. So it can be as simple as that. And the more you start to do that and take background for yourself and start to say, this is important to me, so I'm going to put the boundary in and start yeah. to use your voice. It's about finding your voice as well, um, saying this is important to me. And it's amazing that shift that happens. And you know, as you start to show up as who you want to be and in that place of respecting yourself and staking a claim for yourself, people in your life respond to that. I had seen... Um I was some quote about like, you know, we teach people how to treat us. Absolutely. So if someone's treating you like shit, chances are, I mean, there are exceptions, but chances are you've allowed it, trained it into them, let them know that they can expect to walk all over you. Yeah. You know, you've always said yes to the carpool that you don't want to say yes to. And then they judge you when you can't do it. Right. You know, 
Right. Um, and they're mirrors of us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. What are some of the other things that women that come to you in this stage of life, you know, be it at whatever point when they're trying to find out who they are, what they're about, you know, what are some of the other biggest struggles that, you know, boundary setting sounds like it's a huge one. Mm-hmm taking time for your, I know it could be related, but like thinking you're worth the work or like making the adjustment to pouring into yourself. Yes. Making a commitment to yourself to do the work in the first place. Um, Having the faith in yourself and the faith in me as your guide, I can't do the work for you. So when I, when I work with them, it's very much my role. One of my main roles is to hold you accountable. Hold my clients accountable. That's been huge for me because I wouldn't have done the work without being held accountable. Yeah. Yeah. And having those conversations saying, you know, you're either in this or you're not, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to participate. I cannot do the work for you. So if you have one toe in and one toe out, it's not going to work. Right. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really making that choice to put a stake in the ground for yourself and making that commitment to yourself. And sometimes it's a leap of faith, right? To, I'm not saying it's, it's hard to overcome the worthiness issue. And we all have that. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, there are times when I still really, really struggle with that. You get more used to quieting that voice in your head that tells you, oh, you idiot. See, it turned out just the way yeah, you look, thought it Yeah, look, you would. knew you were a loser. This proves it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that, it's that awareness. It's practice. It's a process. It takes time. Yeah. And that's a thing too, no quick fix, right? No so quick fix. We're so used to that in our culture. And I think that that's something too, like it's like, it's a journey, right? It yes. took you a while to get here and the unraveling and the reweaving is going to take time. And it depends on why you're doing the work to begin with. You know, it's all about your big why. Yeah. Why do I want to do this work? For me, way back then, it was, I don't want to live another day not knowing who I am or why I'm here mm-hmm. or what my reason for being is. Right. It just, yeah, what? And you say it like that. And of course, everyone can like nod their heads and say that that makes sense. And then, like you said, when you're a young mom or mom with young kids and you're just in it to the level of distraction, right? You never pull back and get that view, right? Like, you don't think about it. And it's just, it's a bummer because then you can get to the point where you're like, I'm fed up, I'm ejecting, um, I have to leave. Um, or you, you know, tamp it down, stuff it down. And then it shows up. It'll always show up. It always up. is going to show up. It always comes back. And yeah, and, and I wish, I don't have regrets because I believe I did everything I could with the information I had at the time. Yes. I did the best I could. There are times when I wish I had had an ability to communicate what was happening to my husband. I wish I knew what was going Just on. Just self-awareness. I had zero idea what was going on. So for me... I wasn't a great communicator anyway in that time. For me to be able to mouth the words was impossible. Yeah. So it was, that contributed to it. Absolutely. Gosh, yeah, the communication piece is is hard and the self-awareness piece is really hard, you know? Um, Do you feel like when the women, when your clients come to you, and I know it was interesting because I ask you this stuff a lot where I'm like, am I the only one that, feels this way, right? Or something like that. Do the people, and you know, I know there's a whole thing about, and Brene Brown talks about like kind of contextualizing it as part of the human experience so Mm -hmm. that you're not the only one that's ever felt this way. It's not narcissistic to think that. It's just sometimes you feel like, 
with the self-worth thing, like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a freak. So maybe I'm the only one that's ever felt this way. Um, do a lot of women come to you and think that like they're alone in this? Yes. Yeah. And I think it's also because everybody's just, even if they're struggling with it, they're not going to let you know. Well, so I was talking to a friend about this the other day and we were like, why don't women talk into this? Like, why are we not even from like, you know, when you're dealing with little kids, you're about to pull your hair out and you love them so much. You love your husband and you love being a mom and you're so blessed. Right. But you're like going crazy. Cause you're like, I'm so exhausted. I have no time for me. Like, I don't even know what I like anymore. Um, you're numbing maybe with food or alcohol or whatever TV, you know, it's like, why aren't women talking into these spaces? I think it would be so much more helpful. It wouldn't, it doesn't, it doesn't take away the need for women to have, you know, therapy coaches like you, um, groups, you know, to vetch with or other things. But it's like, why are we not talking about this stuff? It's a vicious cycle, right? So if I think I'm the only one that feels this way, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say, hey, like I, this is what I'm going And then you're a weirdo, on. maybe. Then, right. Because it's not talked about, it's not talked about. It's kind of like the whole mental health conversation that's now being talked about. Being talked about because people are finally recognizing that, hey, you feel that way? I feel that way too. This is, it's okay to talk about mental health. My daughter was saying the other day, you know, she's a millennial and mental health is huge, huge for them. And she said, yeah, you guys never talked about going to a therapist. I go, of course not. We didn't go to therapists. And if we did, we weren't going to tell anybody about it because it didn't do it. It was just the way it was. Yeah. When we were young, I, I could have used a therapist like nobody's business, but it wasn't I mean, something that right? was even on the list of things because I didn't know anybody that it went to It wasn't in one. the toolkit. Exactly. It was. I just didn't I know. I mean, it was, but it wasn't yeah. in your toolkit. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, that's one thing I, I feel like, you know, and then when you listen to Brene, right, um, you, know, you talk about vulnerability. I think that the more I find out, like when I am feeling alone in something and the more I voice it to somebody, if I'm brave enough to do that, you get so much support. And I was talking to this friend of mine who had been through a really rough kind of tragic period, right? And the more she gave air to it, the more people came to her and she's like, you couldn't believe how much support was available. Right. It was like literally throngs of people waiting to be free to talk about it because of their experience and, and heal through sharing it, support her, provide advice. Like there were just people lined up. Yeah. Ready to talk about it. Well, and it's what Brene talks about, not to make this no, the but Brene I mean, I love show, Brene, but, but it's like, you know, the it's wise the Brene woman. show. Yes. She talks about shame and how when it, it can't survive being spoken. So when yeah. you speak it, all of a sudden its power it is dissipates. gone. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel that way too. Cause I think that the more I open up to about like my emotional eating, cause I mean, everybody's like, you know, we've all done it. You're stressed out or whatever. But when you really get down to like, you know, and get curious about like why you're doing any behavior, um, it's so interesting. Like, you know, yesterday when in my session, you and I talked about, like, I go, I think I'm like preemptively shaming myself with mm-hmm. food. And it was such an eye opener to me. Cause I'm like, wow. Okay. So like, and I didn't feel ashamed of that. I just felt sad about it and kind of like, let's not do that then, you know, right. and it's not going to be like, who knows if I'm going to have a gummy bear moment tonight or whatever it's going to be. Right. But it's like, at least there's an awareness around it. And I've talked about it to a few friends and I don't feel ashamed about it. Like I'm not like eating in the closet. Right. Um, 
so I feel like giving voice to it has dissipated the shame. And it's also helped me with my inquiry to kind of heal things. I'm on my, I'm at least I'm on the road. Right. And I feel like there's a lot of that kind of stuff, you know, as you, and especially as you hit menopause, like women aren't even talking about that. Right. Like what's your experience around menopause? Like, right. Or perimenopause, you know? And it's like, why is it a big secret? Like, I don't want it to be a secret. Yeah. I don't want to be alone in that. Um, So I just feel like the more women can share with each other, and I know it it is hard, like you said, you know, Um, but I feel like the more I out myself, like with my weird thoughts, the better I feel. I think it's the shame dissipating because it's like, you know, me thinking about like my um, hobbies, right? And being like, my hobbies are really kind of like watching documentaries and talking about them afterwards, like I'm an expert on something. Right. You know, hopefully not too pedantic, but I mean, I like to talk about stuff. Um, like being in, like reading, being involved in like nonprofit work. Um, I don't know, like learning about politics. Like those are hobbies of mine, but they don't seem like the same as like running or, you know. Well, and it's so funny because this reminds me of the conversation about purpose. And I'm actually doing a workshop on a website next week called Hello Revel. And oh, I loved. Okay, yeah. Did you sign up? For I that? did. Thank okay. you. Yeah, yeah, we can put that because there's still. That's I think great. The membership is still free. Okay, but it's basically purpose without pressure because I think Ooh. a lot of women. I love have that purpose without sense, pressure. Yeah, have this sense of. I don't know what my purpose is. It has to be something massive. I have like to do life change. changing. Yeah, climate change. It has to be something huge, and it doesn't necessarily matter what it looks like. It matters what it feels like yes. to you, yes. to nobody else. So for you, if reading and watching documentaries and you know hanging out with Alan and spending time with your kids and going on walks, if that feeds you and fuels you and you feel good about that, that's enough. Right, and, you, and so it's like how freeing that is. Like and when you said it to me in session too and now again, that sounds so rad. Like I'm like... Oh my God, that sounds like my best day. Yeah. Like I've even judged myself for my birthday when you're like, get to do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> and my kids are like, what do you want to do? I go, sit home, be in the sun, eat some good food, talk to you guys, read the paper. That's it. And it's great. That's like my perfect day, right? But then I feel like, well, what if someone was like judging my perfect day on like America's Got Perfect Day show or something? And they're <laughs> the like, well, my perfect day like- is like running an ultra marathon. And then I go like do my cryotherapy and then I'm going to go volunteer. Well, and that's you know? the problem with social media, right? Because Ugh. you're that just brings all of that It does. I'm like, fore. it's so performative. And yes. I'm like, oh, I'm not organic gardening. I wonder if I suck, yeah. you know? <laughs> so um, so the wholeheartedness thing is something I'm really trying to embrace. And I think that's, that's you know, the challenge. But I think from what we've talked about today, I think it's really about wherever you are in your journey as a mom. Um, I think giving yourself permission to, like, have a life outside of motherhood. Right. And But it doesn't have to be, like, this whole superwoman complex of, no. like, you, you know, I don't think everyone needs to be working full time or even part time and be a mom, or you don't have to be the room mom, the soccer mom, the mom that, you know, always looks like amazingly trim and fit because she's doing like three Pilates classes and does an amazing job with the kids. And she, because happens, she has a nanny. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, yeah. you don't have to do everything, but I think it's, it's important to, to give yourself permission to do something for you that is just for you. That feeds your soul. That feeds your soul. And it could be, like you said, it could be 10 minutes of sitting in nature. Right. Like, don't judge it. Like, that counts. If that's what you need, or if it's like a 10-minute hilarious conversation with a friend that you know will make you laugh, or if it's 
writing your morning pages and your thoughts down, or if it's doing something bigger, training for a marathon. I mean, right. you know, so I think it's giving yourself permission as hard as it is to grab the time. And it's not to be perfect. Like the permission can be for one minute to start with like a minute of breathing, like right. little steps right. is also another thing we talked about. So it's like, what do you want to do? Like what floats your boat? Maybe go do a little of it to start. You don't have to be perfect at it. Not to even be good at it. Right. Or, and you don't have to worry about what other people think. You just. It's dropping into your heart. Yeah. And listening to that and, and getting That's a hard. clue as to what, what do I like? And starting there and maybe... And not judging. And not judging That's not, that it's not enough or so-and-so wouldn't think it was good, whatever. And putting together a plan to find a photography class. Yes. And signing up for a photography class. That's, that's enough. It. Like, that's enough. And that's a huge... That's huge progress. Yes. And I don't have to... Like, to work with you at Magenta Consulting, like, I don't have to be... Because when I first started working with you, I'm like... Um, and it's, of course, it morphed because it wasn't true. But I felt like I needed to come in saying... What's my next chapter? Like, you know, I've got this great business. It's super successful. I've got these kids. You know, I'm doing the best job I can with parenting, and they're they're launching ish. Um, you know, I've got a great new relationship. Got friends. I go, but you know, I really need more meaning. And I, you know, I felt like I had to be Richard Branson or something, or like <laughs> yeah, Melinda French Gates. You know, and so I was like, I gotta. D- like divine my next chapter. Do I start a foundation? Because all of it sounded like, or looked when I looked at social media, I'm like, that's what I'm supposed to do. And then of course the work becomes really like, let's just take a beat when you're ready, Carrie. Right. <laughs> it took me a while to like really sink into your said to get wholehearted and get heart centered and be like, what is it that you really want? And it turns out what I really want is a lot more simple not as flashy or social media uh, worthy, quote unquote, um, or it's not photogenic. It's really about what I want is to be authentically me, not be ashamed of that, live wholeheartedly doing things I love without worrying about what other people think and just exist in like a peaceful, happy place. That's what I want. And that is enough. And that is enough. And it may not, you may not be able to capture that in a photo. No. And it doesn't (laughs) matter. Right. Right. It yeah. doesn't matter. No. Because it matters to you. It's yes. how you feel. So the journey. So you can't, before you can make that determination, that's yes. why the work the inquiry is so important, is that you need to know what those things are that you really want, that yes. really speak to your heart. Yes. Whatever lights you up. And if you're lost in that, because sometimes it's hard to even, I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's hard sometimes to even sound, start the inquiry and you're there to help coach through, right? Yes. I think, and you know, getting quiet and journaling, all the tips you talked about at the top of the show. I think another thing that I think is really helpful is asking trusted friends, like, and I'm doing this exercise with you, it's homework, like the essence exercise. Mm-hmm. So it's basically, will you tell people what the essence exercise is? Yeah. So the idea is that your essence is really the heart and soul of who you are. That's your soul, right? And and we don't see that in ourselves. We see all the limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. We see yeah. all the filters. We see all the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. See all the things we're not doing, whatever the case may be, all the harsh judgments. People we know and love and trust see us for ourselves. And so if you have that conversation with them and say, what shows up in the room when I walk in? Yeah. And just let them answer and write it down. That's who you are at your heart. That's what they see. And that's who you are. It's it's out of the head. Yes, into the heart. Yeah. And I feel like that's an important place to maybe start. It may not give you 
the answer coming out of that may not, they're not going to say photography class. Right. When you walk in the room. Right. But I mean, they may see like creative, joyful, experimental, brave, whatever the, the adjectives might be. Right. And that might help you get back in touch with who you really are. So then you can do the inquiry. Right. And it may take you three months to realize that what you want to do is take a photography class. Right. That's okay. It's the process and doing the work and staying in it yeah. that is the important thing. Yes. Because that's where Don't the growth happens. Yeah. Don't give up on yourself. No. And I think, you know, the essence exercise, I think, is, you know, I think for a lot of moms, we've lost touch with who we are. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really great exercise to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, to tell you who you are, to remind you who you are. Right. And also always buoys you because no one ever says, um, your trusted friends, you know, never say, well, shitty, um, judgy and someone I hate, you know, it's like, so it's going to feel good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and the thing is to receive that. Yes. You said that was the key. You can't comment. You can't comment. You just receive. Yeah. Don't say, really? That doesn't sound like me. Just right. receive. Because right. to them, it is real. Yeah, right. right? Exactly. exactly. No, no, that's okay. You're always welcome. So did we cover? I think we covered a lot of ground. We could probably do it. Do we miss any big things that we wanted to talk about? I know we were talking about the fact that fall is coming. Fall is coming. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> so it's time to do this work. Yes. I mean, I think that, um, you know, one of the reasons and things are prompting that um, the the October September October issue of Tableau magazine, my online magazine tableauofficial.com, is going to come out September first. There's going to be a great first person piece in it about empty nesting, mm. and I know a lot of people are headed into that season where the kids are either going back to like they're either leaving the nest again um, for college. You know, knock on wood that college is in person. Right, we got COVID under control. Um, they might be leaving the nest for the first time. Mm-hmm. They might be just going back to school full days and you have more time, right? right? So it's back to school for the kids-ish. Let's make it back to school, back to you for the moms right? to invest time in themselves. Whether you work with Bridget, which I highly recommend, or someone else, or read a book, or just sit there and journal and go on your own journey, right? Right, absolutely. Um, you know, you can... You, it can and should pour time into yourself this fall. I mean, all year round, but make this fall kind of like that arbitrary deadline or um, hook that makes you do it. Right. Um, and I wanted to, well, and it's, what's your website? BridgetBeldon.com. Okay, so, and we'll put it in the show notes too. And then the, her, your Facebook group is Thriving Moms Collective. And there's a link from the website. Okay. And can there. you just, do you have to be approved to join or yes, how does that work? It's a private group. Okay. And the whole idea is to build a community around these topics. And so I do interviews with, with and that's moms and free experts. to join, right? It's there's free to free, join. Okay. Yeah. There's also free content. So yes, um, you can start baby steps. Right. 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 And um, yes. And I w- am getting ready to host a bunch of free one day ooh, events okay. that are coming up. Yes. And I'm launching a group program for the first time awesome. in October. So Oh perfect timing. Yeah, it's great timing. So for those of you that are curious, are interested, sign up for our newsletter. You can do that on the website. Okay. Join the Facebook group. However you want to And the engage. Facebook group's fun because there's like all these like there's like Magenta Mondays where you yeah. talk you you know, post something that gave, kind of gave you joy, brought you a moment of joy. Yes. And um, that's a great exercise because one, it gets you thinking in a gratitude 
gratitude place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also you get to see other people's joys and that's right. always fun to, to yes. be in part of that community. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, I thought we'd end with the essence exercise. Okay. Can we? Yes. Um, one, because you can count as one of my three to five people. So, I can, <laughs> so that you'll be my second, which, you know, right? Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Um, and then I thought I wanted to be able to play that back to you while okay. we're together. And then people can see how to do it. Okay. Right? Yes. So um, who gets to start? I don't know. You start. I start with you. Mm-hmm. So you say what walks up the Oh, I'm going to ask you the question. Yes. And you're going to tell me. Yes. Okay. Sorry, you guys, I'm slow on this kind of stuff. So Bridget. As my trusted friend, um, when I walk into a room, what shows up? So much intelligence, love, compassion, humor, a sense of confidence, someone who knows what she wants. And a, an unbelievably giving and loving mom and wife and pet parent. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on. That's really great. Thank you. I mean, can I say thank you or is receiving it just receiving it? You can say thank you. Okay. I like to know where the rules are. <laughs> thank you. That made me actually feel really great. Good. And some of the things that um, you said I would never have said about myself. The pet parent thing is true. (laughs) Very true. Um, But I was thinking about like knows what she wants. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting because a lot of times I don't feel like I do. Insightful. Ooh, okay. You have the ability to, you are very knowledgeable about who you are, even though you don't think you are. Your ability to look at yourself and dig deep and your self-awareness is unbelievable. Thank you again. (laughs) Okay. So now you ask me. Carrie, as a loving friend Mm -hmm. and trusted person, person, (laughs) what shows up when I walk into the room? Bravery, um, insight, creativity mixed with like, I want to say innovation or like flipping things around to look at them from all different sides and coming up with like really great reads on that information that pops up. Um, I would say free spirit, strength, um, badassery. (laughs) That's a word that I just, I don't think I coined it, but I like really love it. Um, Adventures. Is it being adventuresome? Like I just feel, I think it would say, I don't know how, which form to use the word in, but like a sense of adventure and like, willingness to just go out there and do whatever it takes, whether it's in pursuit of experience or for another purpose, but just like being ready to just take on the world. Hmm. Um, Calm. But also like I think um, an inner fire shows up for me with you when you come in. Thank you. Yes. That was fun. Was there anything I said that's surprising to you? Adventurous. Are you not? Or do you not consider yourself? I don't consider myself. Sorry. You are adventurous. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
no one that does like the different travels you do who ha- was curious and, and brave enough in your 30s, I think it was, it might have been early 40s to take that journey that you did for wholeheartedness um, that starts a nonprofit and a consulting business and takes a major company on, in, on into e-commerce. Like, I don't know. Oh. Maybe you're adventurous. Thank you. <laughs> I think all those things qualify. And here's an example of where what we think something means. Because for me, yes. I've been challenging myself with being more adventurous in my personal life. Okay. Like, maybe I'll go s- learn how to scuba dive. Okay. I want to push myself out of my comfort zone physically. Yes. Almost, okay. You know, and do. So and that's so, different. Yeah. More adventurous yeah. that way. So. I love it. This is great. So I'm encouraging everybody to... Do this essence exercise with your friends, family, you know, whoever your loved and trusted ones are. It's really great. It feels super good. It gets you closer. If you've lost touch with who you are in essence, Mm -hmm. it gets you closer to that person. Mm -hmm. And it feels, it just feels. Feels really good. Good and connected. Mm -hmm. Um, And check out BridgetBelden.com. Thriving Moms Collective on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll put some more information in the show notes. And I think that um, just give yourself the gift of, you know, even after, right after you listen to this podcast, if you can, give yourself the, like five minutes of cushion before you go do the next thing. So just sit and think about it. Maybe take a few notes. Um, hug yourself. Just be with you. It'd be a beautiful thing. Love that. Yeah. And, and give air to the things that you feel like you're struggling with um, because chances are the, the person that you open up to is has struggled with it or knows someone else who has and you're going to feel a lot better and feel like you're part of the community and not alone so absolutely. start talking into some of these things absolutely All right. thank you Bridget thank you for having me it's so great to oh see you oh my gosh you. I love it till next time till next time okay